Yeah, you know, I love what I do. I love the television business. I love creating, um, you know, I first started out as a camera operator, so I love being able to, uh, you know, it, you have to have a little bit of an ego to, to do this. So I, I love being able to get a replay and, and fight to have the best shot and get have my shot be used the most. So whatever I needed to do to get the best shot, whether take the camera off my shoulder, shoot from my knee or put the camera above my head, I would do whatever it would take uh, because I loved what I do. I loved seeing my stuff on the air and I loved having my family, my kids see, you know, me at the Super Bowl with my shots on the air. And with our businesses now, I love being able to walk away from helping produce a live event or a live stream and having the clients say, you know, that was, we're so glad we used you guys because that was the best event we ever did. Or, you know, that's, that's what drives us. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risked their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to the Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and today I have live on the line Howie Zales. How are you there? Hey, Richard. Nice to see you. Awesome. Glad to have you here. I know we were uh, we were talking before we got on. And you're coming in from New York, is that right? Yes, sir. Have you started to get the uh, warm weather there yet? It's just we had a really 95 degree weather weekend last weekend, and it kind of dipped down. We're hoping for a stable, smooth 80 degree weather weekend this Memorial Day. Uh, I, I mentioned before we got on, we've been traveling up the uh, national parks here along the 15 freeway. So like, you know, Zion Bryce and, and uh, you know, whatever else the other ones are. But we have, for whatever reason, we were like a week ahead of all the good weather. So it was oh. like we were in zion and it was cold until the last day then it was warm and sunny and then we like that day we left up to bryce where it was snowing and it snowed all week until the last day when it was sunny and warm and then we went up to yellowstone where it was snowy all week and then in the last day it's sunny and warm we came right. to glacier so anyways the last like four weeks have all been cold because we we misplanned our spring trip like one week <laughs> we were one week ahead of the good weather <laughs> uh, so Anyways, what I want to dive into before we get too far into this is just a brief introduction of who you are, and then we'll start talking a little bit about your business. So Howie Zales is an Emmy award-winning camera operator who's turned his passion for television broadcasting into several entrepreneurial endeavors, which we'll talk about a little bit today. But what I want to start out with, Howie, is who or what are you known for, right? What's your business like now? Who do you serve? What do you do for them? Yeah, I'm a, I used to be a camera operator. I worked with NBC Sports and the World Wrestling Entertainment for over 20 years, close to 25 years. Uh, I've shot Super Bowls, Olympics, uh, Kentucky Derbies, WrestleManias. So we've you seen it, your I, work probably. Yeah, absolutely. You name it, I've shot it. I've traveled, the, I've had the good fortune to see the world and uh, cover some of the biggest and best sporting events and entertainment events. So it's been a great career. But simultaneous to that, I always had a business on the side, HJZ Productions, which where we staff uh, sports and entertainment shows with the proper crew that our clients need. Any, anything from camera people to audio people to replay people, any, anyone that it takes to do a TV show. Awesome. And so that's what you do now is you run that, that production house. Is that full-time? Full-time, yep. Uh, I stopped traveling, doing the camera work. Uh, two back surgeries and and a pandemic uh, i'm good has it has it helped at all that cameras have gotten smaller and lighter over the years right because you know now now they're uh they're little things no actually the broadcast uh handheld cameras are just as heavy as they were you know 10 15 years ago because uh, the cameras are high def so that means that the lenses have to be high def and the lenses are Massive. heavier there's more glass in the mm -hmm. lenses than there was previous. So 
the back of the camera has to be just as heavy to balance it out. Otherwise you'd be like that. You fit forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the shrinking technology has not impacted, it's just made it higher quality, but not any smaller size. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I was just like, I've, I've been blown away by how small some of these things have gotten over the last couple of years for the quality, but like that really impacts us as the consumers that mm -hmm. like, we're just getting a lot more quality in a much smaller package, but I can see for the professionals, they're just expanding the, the definition and the quality without really changing the size of the gear you're using. Right. That's cool. So um, what I want to talk about then is how you got into the uh, the camera business in the in the first place, right? We talk on this show about your origin story. Every good comic book hero has an origin story. I'm um, saying yeah, that yeah. made you into the hero you are. We want to know what that was. Were you born a hero? Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you pick up a camera and become a cameraman? Um, yeah. Or did you start in a job, right? And eventually become an entrepreneur later on. Essentially, you know, where'd you come from? Yes, yeah, uh, a few good stories. Um, I was in... I, you know, growing up, I played baseball uh, and a few other sports, but I wanted to play professional baseball and uh, uh, I knew I needed a backup. Right. So just just in case and uh, spoiler alert, I did not play professional baseball, um, <laughs> but I needed an elective to fill my last course or class schedule in 11th grade. And I saw this elective. It said TV production. And the description was a trip to NBC Studios, a tour nice. of Rockefeller Center and NBC Studios, and to watch a show being uh, taped. I'm like, how bad can that be, right? Yeah, and then, um, I would have said yes to that. Right? And I, I fell in love with it immediately. And I knew like it was destiny from there. I knew I had to um, combine my love of baseball and sports and my new love and passion of television together and kind of looking back, you know, I grew up always going to Knicks games, Ranger games, Yankee games, and I would always be, we'd always sit near the camera operators and I always find myself watching what they were doing and, and talking to my parents. We had a family member that used to be a photographer for the New York Times. So it, it was kind of a bit in the blood, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so you started out in high school being like, hey, I'm going to take this class. How did that how does that hap translate into you run a production house of your own? Yeah. So, you know, I went to college for, I only went to schools that had television production programs and I fell in love. I picked the perfect school for me and I fell in love with doing sports and uh, I made my way in, into it. I, first I, I took a job shooting news and I, um, I got the phone number of ESPN and called and said, Hey, I'm here. I'm ready to shoot sports. And the woman on the other end, Donna said, well, what's your experience? I said, well, I shoot news. And she said, call me in five years when you have some more experience. So I literally put, the, put it in my calendar for five years down the road. Uh, and I had a ton of experience at that time. I called her back and I said, you, you know, I spoke to you five years ago on this day. And I told the whole story and she laughed and couldn't believe that I was calling her back with all five the experience later. I had gained. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And did, you, did she hire you then? Yeah, she gave me a few days of work. Nice. So then you got into the sports stuff and then you yep. did the sports stuff for a number of years. And then you said you started your side business, which is the H, what is it? HJZ yeah. Productions. So yep. where, where, how did that come about? Yeah, a friend of mine who I went from, I think, elementary school all the way through college was working at MSNBC. And uh, if you remember, I Miss in the Morning, he used to do his radio show from MSNBC. And once in a while, they would take the show on the road. Uh, at this time, they were doing it at a casino just outside New York City in Connecticut. And he called and said, hey, Howie, you know, are you available to do camera on this day? We're doing the IMA show. I said, yeah, sure. He said, do you have any friends? You know, I need some camera people, audio people. I said, yeah, absolutely. He goes, can you do me a favor? Can you call, get who's available, hire them, send me one invoice and pay them for me. It'll make my life so much easier. And I'm like, done deal and i'm like there's got to be a business a business in that and yeah. so i started uh i started my company then and we slowly made our way uh into the industry and we we provide crews for we provided crews for super bowls uh wrestling events um and so you're like a one-stop shop kind of place for like hey yep. we need to have something filmed for tv they can just hire you and then you guys just do everything yeah, for example, we have a Showtime boxing event this weekend. Showtime calls us, says we need five camera people, five audio people, some replay people, some utilities. 
we hire them. We tell them when to show up based on what the client tells us. We send one invoice and then we payroll everybody. That's awesome. So I'm just curious because I've never been in that space before. You provide all the cameras, all the people, all the stuff that happens. Who provides the connection to the actual television like so that the viewers can see it? Yeah, so uh, in most cases, we provide just the crew. The client is providing the TV truck and the equipment. Some cases, we'll go out and get the TV truck and the equipment. Is that what that's called, is a TV truck? Yeah, it's, uh, it's basically a TV studio on wheels. Everything you need to produce a TV show in a control room is on a, in a 53-foot truck. It, it shows up usually, it takes two mobile units to make up one facility and uh, each truck is probably worth around $20 million. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to run into those on the road. So, yeah. so here's, here's my curiosity. You got those, sure. those two trucks and whatnot. Is, that the, is it the same requirement for pre-recorded content versus content that's being broadcast live? It depends a lot. You know, if you do like a concert, right? Uh, a lot of concerts are done pre-recorded. So yeah, we would use the same TV truck and instead of rolling the tape room, instead of using it for replays, would just record everything and then they it would be edited after the fact. If it was a live scenario, like a sporting event, um, the replay room would be used for replays and recording. Nice. So then it just goes directly right out of, out of the yeah, stuff. Okay. It, it hooks so, up via fiber or satellite to the network that it's airing on. Yeah, to the broadcaster. So here's my question. And this is just something I've always been curious about. I don't know if you know the answer sure. to this or not. And I don't even know if it's relevant to this conversation, but I've always wondered when you're watching a live sport event, like the Super Bowl, for instance, and they're doing the replays or even doing it live, and you'll see like the lines that are on the graphs yeah, yeah. or the like the stuff on there, like they, they show up under the, under the, the, characters like the actual people they look like they show up under on the grass and i've always wondered how they do that how do they do that live particularly like to show up animations that you know aren't in the, they're not in the camera shot like those lines don't exist someone else is doing that how does that happen it's all there's a special device on the well in football the, uh there's three cameras up top uh the left 20 mm -hmm. the 50 and the right 20 there's a special device attached to those three cameras uh and it's all software driven uh and uh it's like a third party software uh that is integrated and the cameras can be taken with the uh first and 10 line that's what we call it or without the first and 10 lines in it so you can actually you can decide whether or not that information is yeah. going to show up on on the feed because yeah. it's, it's always like blown my mind i'm like i know that those that that's digital information being overlaid on top of what we're seeing, but I'm like I just don't know how it's happening. Always been a curiosity yeah. of mine. Usually, the it's called camera one, two, and three with the fifty yard with the first and ten lines in, and then fifty one, fifty two, fifty three without it. That's interesting. So, and does same kind of thing depending on the sport? Like they have the same kind of technology that just sort of like puts whatever the yeah, overlays if, if you're, are. If you're watching baseball, you, like the pitcher catcher. There's mm -hmm. like an advertisement behind the catcher on the wall. Usually that's yeah. like a green, that's a green screen. And that only appears on that center field camera. That's interesting. Any Do other, you guys control any that other... or does, does someone else in the, in the, yeah, in the, the team TV control controls it. it, TV controls it. So that's not your team then. No, that's interesting. Yeah. That's really cool. I always wondered how it was done. So thank you for that. I know that's not particularly relevant to your business, but I've always just been curious how that worked. So I want to talk a little bit about um, your superpowers as someone who uh, runs a television production business. And, you know, every iconic hero has their superpower, whether that's, you know, a fancy flying suit made by their genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill you were born with or a skill you developed over the course of time that really helps you to help your clients come out on top, right? Um, to slay their villains, so to speak. And the way I like to frame it is you've probably got a set of skills that you've developed over the course of your life that have, and if you look at them all, they all have like a common thread, right? Something that ties them all together. And that common thread between your skill sets is probably where your superpower is. And so I'm curious, what do you think in, you know, HJZ Productions, what your superpower is there? Yeah. Um surrounding well hjz I, I guess overall because i have my other business as well is uh, i have one person that manage that manages each business 
that can, you know, that is in charge of the business and I kind of oversee everything. Um, and then, you know, my, my superpower, I guess, for both businesses would be just always surrounding myself with people that are smarter than I am. Because if I'm the smartest person in the room, then we have a big problem. <laughs> yeah, I was just having that discussion with my son the other day about how entrepreneurs like like one of the one of the superpowers that entrepreneurs share is the ability to create time. Um, and the way we create time is by by empowering other people to get work done. Right. And right. because like if we tried to do it all ourselves, we couldn't do it, but we can we can empower a whole team of people to accomplish things that we couldn't accomplish on our own. And it's it's a type of creation that's that's very unique to entrepreneurs. Um, and he responded with a story that, that is pretty common. And like he's been reading the uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad books about Henry Ford and, you know, they're at, asking him a question about math or something like that. And he's like, you know, he can pick up the phone and get the answer. Um, and so he calls like one of his mathematicians and gets the answer for it. I mean, he's like, cause I don't, I don't need to be the smartest person. I just need to have access to the smart people. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's and knowing, definitely... knowing who those people are, knowing who to call or who to contact for whatever the situation is, is, you know, 90% of the battle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just knowing how to, um, I, one of my, one of my entrepreneurial friends refers it to, uh, as, as being the master facilitator, right. Um, that like your job exactly. as, as the, as the head of the business is really to just facilitate the creation of the teams, um, and the people that are going to you know, be able to handle the resources. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> cool. So the, the flip side then, right. So if your superpower is being the, the mass facilitator and being able to surround yourself with those people, the, uh, the flip side of your superpower is generally your fatal flaw, right? Just like every Superman has his kryptonite or wonder woman who can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad, probably had a flaw that's held you back in growing your business. For me, yeah, it's a couple yeah. of things. I struggled with perfectionism for a long time, um, kept me from shipping product, also struggled with not having good boundaries with my clients. So I'd let them walk all over me and not have good, you know, time, <laughs> not have a good relationship with time, essentially. Uh, but I think more important than what the flaw is, is how have you worked to overcome it so that people who are listening might learn a little bit from your experience there? Two flaws. Um, one is that uh, I'm not a good writer and I should have pushed myself when I was younger to get better right? If you're not good at something, the only way to improve is to put yourself out there in an uncomfortable situation to help yourself improve. Therefore, I do not send a, an important email out without Jen, my wife and business partner, checking it first, because yeah. I don't trust, I don't trust, trust myself that I, I don't want to make us look, look bad. So I don't send an important email out. So I feel crippled sometimes, because uh, of my writing skills. And maybe we thought a little dys dyslexia, I, you know, so we're very careful about that. And, but, you know, that is something that is like a kryptonite to me. It's, it's debilitating yeah. sometimes because I, I don't want to embarrass us, you know? And, and uh, the, the other thing is knowing when, you know, family time, right? Turning the phone upside down and not, yeah having a client interrupt or paying attention to my family, the business can wait. Yeah. And just knowing how to prioritize that stuff and when to prioritize it. And yeah. that's, that's a tough thing. It's one of the things that like, I, I try to do a, a really good job of keeping business stuff on the calendar. And if it's not in the calendar that it, it's like, it, it doesn't get attention until it's on the calendar. That's how I try to deal with that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and since uh, my wife and I work together uh, and we own our business together, if something pops into my brain at 9.30 at night when we're lying in bed, it's very difficult not to, it was very difficult at first not to just say, hey, Jenny, you know, how about this? So now I just write it down in the, my notes for tomorrow morning. You can come back to it when it's business time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not when it's business time, if you know what I mean. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, the other one that you mentioned was the, um, I was going to say the, I lost my train of thought there. It'll come back to me eventually. Your, your, your first law, remind me what you said. The, the first one was, was the writing, the communication, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, I was, I, I've been uh, convinced for a long time that writing and communication ability is like a, it's a, it's a power multiplier for people mm -hmm. that if you can, if you can communicate well, it almost like enhances everything else you do. 
Um, so I could see how that would be a, a really, like you mentioned debilitating, right? A debilitating uh, um, flaw. And so yeah, I'm yeah. curious, like what, what are some of the strategies that you, you put in place other than like, I mean, you mentioned like running things by your wife, but what are some of your other strategies that you guys, that you use to sort of overcome that? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, I'll compose an, and, and this is like for important stuff. So I'll compose an email, I'll put it off to the side and then come back to it three or four or five minutes later, just to make sure it says what I think it says, because sometimes I do that because I'm doing, you know, my head, my head is ahead of what I'm doing. My brain is ahead of what I'm doing. I think it says something, but really on, on the computer, that's not what it says, or it's missing a word or a piece of punctuation. So I, I put it off to the side and I come back to it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's one way I've learned to overcome overcome that and i just stay in my zone in my zone right i don't use big words or if i don't know i look it up if, if accepting or accepting right which which way which so I, I look it up yeah absolutely i know i do some i do some of the same things i have um i don't know that it's dyslexia exactly but i like my my uh right hand or left hand is faster at typing than my right hand um or one of the ways so it, one of my hands is faster than the other one. So I'll like type right. things out. And then a lot of words were like, where one of the letters comes from this hand and the other one comes from this hand, they'll be mixed up. So I'll have words that are like, <laughs> they're all mixed up. So I'll have to like right. write something and then go back and look at it afterwards just to make sure that I actually typed it properly. Cause I totally know, get it. <laughs> um, type things wrong. And you're like, you said, if you send them off immediately, you're like, look at it and be like, oh man, I just look dumb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I never send anything off without walking away or putting off to the side for, for a time. Yeah. I know one of the tools I've been making use of more recently is uh, Grammarly. Mm -hmm. um, Cause Grammarly like looks at your stuff and it'll, you know, highlight like grammar issues or spelling issues for you. So you can make sure that things are going there. That's been really useful for me. Yeah. I've also used like uh, if, if for important emails, I'll create it in Google docs or mm -hmm. word and then, you know, make sure it's good and then copy and paste it into an email yeah yeah something where you can't accidentally hit send before it's ready to go yeah <laughs> it doesn't there's nowhere to go in google docs it's just going to stay there until you do something with it that's a good exactly. idea <laughs> cool so i want to talk then a little bit about your common enemy and this will be an interesting interesting sort of discussion because i don't think we've ever talked to someone who does tv production about this um, but every superhero has an arch nemesis right it's a thing that they have to fight against in their world and in the world of business it takes on a lot of forms but we'd like to put it in the context of your clients the people who hire you um, and it's a mindset or a flaw that you have to sort of fight to overcome in order to get them the result that they hire you for um, and so i'm curious what what is sort of that common enemy that you sort of constantly have to deal with in your business yeah, the, you know, um, in HJZ Productions, uh, the, crew, the hiring business, there's uh, one large company that does what I do uh, on a very large scale nationwide. So they're our biggest competitor. And so I sell, uh, it's up to me, since I'm the face of the business, to sell our services on why to use us and why we're different. Uh so that's one thing in our live stream business, Veridity Entertainment, you know, again, I'm the, I'm the face of the business and I oversee all of our productions and I'm, I sell to our, um, to our clients why they would want to use a smaller, smaller business and why the workflow we developed is superior to other companies out there. Yeah, so... That's a, um, it's, it's an interesting sort of place to be in, especially when you have huge competitors and there's probably, this is just my guess. There's probably not a lot of people in your business. It's like, there's the 800 pound gorilla and there's probably you guys and a few others that is that yeah. what I'm understanding. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you have to, you sort of regularly have to have that conversation about like, why choose the smaller one when this, there's this huge looming 800 pound gorilla that everyone knows about it and could hire. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, so and, what are some, you know, what are some of your guys's reasons for, for clients to hire you versus hiring the big guys? Uh, one, I'm, I'm a former freelancer, former camera operator. So I know the industry, I, I know the people that I call and hire they're vetted. I'm not just looking through, uh, a list, uh, on a computer and sending out blanket emails. Um, 
you know, we're a small company. If you call, uh, if you have a question about invoicing or payroll, you call Lori. If you have an, a question about the, the crew, you call me. If it's an HR person, you call an HR question, you call Jen and that's it. So um, we pride ourselves. So like it's just personal, personal, yeah, it's personal experience, personal touch, yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah. do you find that matters to your clients as much? Do, if like, if they're also small or large, or like if you're dealing with a big company, do they care as much? I, th I think so. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's interesting because sometimes I know like when you're dealing with really big companies, you know, it's just a, a checkbox. They're like this, this team is hired yes or no kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, 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 it also depends on who you're dealing with, what company you're dealing with. But yeah, I find that a lot of people like the smaller, um, our small business, they like that uh, when it's a question of, that they need answered, that I answer relatively quickly. Um, not that I drop everything and I'm checking my email, you know, 24 seven, but I, I make the clients a priority, especially during business hours. Yeah, absolutely. So have you, have you over the course of doing this discovered or like picked out a, like a smaller niche that sort of you guys are standouts for, um, that gives you like a, an advantage over the big companies? Yeah, we, we, we you know, in the, in the live stream business, we, we, deal with a lot of corporate events, uh, concerts, uh, talk shows. And we know that our workflow is like is second to none. And what we do, we pride ourselves on providing our clients, you know, super high end uh, outcomes to their events. And we go the extra step to make sure that uh, they get what they pay for. Yeah, yeah, which I assume for like a lot of those live streamers, I know, because we work with, um, in our business, we work with people who put on live events um, sometimes because I'm sort of like on the marketing side, we do like, hey, you know, we've got a course or a something or whatever, and they're going to like deliver it live. Right. Um, and so they would hire someone like you. And like when they do a live stage event, it's like what they're looking for is they want it to both like at the event, they want to have the screens that look really good for the people that are there, but they also want to have like top notch recordings that they can then sell later. Right. Um, and so you guys probably have all of the processes worked out for like, hey, here's what it's going to look like in the live event. Here's what the assets you're going to get when you're done. Yep, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys do the uh, the editing of the events as well? So they end up with like polished product or do you guys just do the actual like raw recording? Yeah, we, uh, we do have the capability to do the editing. I don't specifically do the editing yeah. myself, but yeah, my team. Your team does all the editing. That's cool. Because yeah. um, I know that's like a, it's a regular thing that happens like in, in the... Uh, the coaching space is, you know, the coaches will come in and they'll do like a live event and teach and train us like that. And like, it's important to have it look good at the event, but that's only going to, you know, be for the hundred or 200 people that are there, right. but they're going to sell the, the recordings to thousands and thousands of people over the next couple of years. And the content that they walk away with is, you know, yeah. invaluable. Yeah. Is like, that's their big win. Um, so they have right. to have a, a top-notch crew to make sure that that content is worth putting together and worth selling and worth offering to their audience. Yeah, that's cool. So I want to talk then a little bit about your um, driving force, which is the flip side of your common enemy. So, you know, if your common enemy is what you have to fight against, the uh, driving force is what you fight for, just like, you know, Spider-Man fights to save New York or Batman fights to save Gotham or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you fight for with your business, your mission, so to speak? Yeah, you know, I love what I do. I love the television business. I love creating um you know, I first started out as a camera operator, so I love being able to, uh, you know, you have to have a little bit of an ego to, to do this. So I, I love being able to get a replay and, and fight to have the best shot and get have my shot be used the most. So whatever I needed to do to get the best shot, whether take the camera off my shoulder, shoot from my knee or put the camera above my head, I would do whatever it would take. Uh, because I loved what I do. I loved seeing my stuff on the air and I loved having my family, my kids see, you know, me at the Super Bowl with my shots on the air. And with our businesses now, I love being able to walk away from helping produce a live event or a live stream and having the clients say, you know, that was, we're so glad we used you guys because that was the best event we ever did. Or, you know, that's, that's what drives us. Yeah, absolutely. So 
um, I'm curious when it comes to like the the way that the way that the market has shifted for television over the last 10 years, a lot of it has shifted from, you know, cable packages to, you know, Netflix, Hulu, you know, HBO Max and, you know, Apple TV and stuff like that. Do you find that you're, that has changed your clientele at all or that it's changed the, changed the business much in terms of like what you guys are actually delivering? Um, no, because we deal mainly in broadcast sports and entertainment. So uh, sporting events are still being broadcast at the regional level, meaning the home network, yeah, the home the, area. Yeah. Yeah. So n- not yet. Uh, but we, what we are finding through the use of live streaming events like high school sports or low division, low level division, uh, college sports, D two and three, or lower level sports like, the uh, some new football leagues um, and tr- some track and field events that maybe never would have seen the light of day are now being live streamed. So now yeah, are they being f- live streamed on like YouTube and stuff like that? YouTube or the or um, a content delivery network that's associated with uh, the the website of the company, whoever's producing it. Um, or just even if it's the high school's website or a local Facebook page for a high school. So now we, we've created jobs for people in the television space or the television slash live stream space. We've given an avenue for these athletes that maybe would never have been seen to be seen. Maybe they have a chance now to go even further. Yeah, absolutely. I know we just watched um, a live stream the other day of my niece's graduation from their high school. Um, And I was like, I know five years ago, if she'd graduated five years ago, we wouldn't have gotten to see it. But um, today we did, or like I say today, but it was like five days ago, right? We got to, we got to watch her graduation. It wasn't well produced, which makes (laughs) me think that there's probably like a, there, there is a, uh, what would you call it? there's a range in the marketplace for doing that yes, kind of yes. stuff. And you guys are, there's probably like the super cheap version of doing it, which is what it looked like they had versus like yeah. bringing in a professional team like your yeah, guys yeah. to actually make it look like a production. I would imagine. We're on the high end of, of that. We, we definitely produce events for, you know, high end uh, fortune 500 companies, uh, whether it's completely virtual hybrid we, we do talk shows with athletes. Uh, we've worked with Charles Barkley, Magic Johnson, Tiger Woods, just to name a few. Yeah, absolutely. And so I was just, because it just popped in my head when you said hit high school graduation. I was like, hey, we watched one of those, but it it looked to me like the production was a guy with a tripod at the back that they just hooked up to a, a YouTube live stream, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. It worked. It um, worked. But uh, yeah. I would imagine, I would imagine having someone who's got like a camera crew and knows how to set it up and you can actually make it look like it, like a good production right um, right right requires some some skill and knowledge about how to do that and where to put the cameras and how to make sure yep. that like you know your audience isn't all walking in front of the camera and blocking the view from your live stream viewers <laughs> exactly so that's cool okay well i want to um switch gears then and talk a little bit about your hero's tool belt and this is just a practical portion for people who run businesses right just like every superhero has a tool belt filled with gadgets like their batarangs or their magical hammers or you know web slingers lasers eyes or whatever it is talk about the top one or two tools that you couldn't live without in your business to make it run could be anything from your notepad to your calendar to something you use for marketing or you know the, the systems you use for product delivery or in your case service delivery um, something you think is essential to getting the job done today? Yeah, I, I, I rely on sy- systems and processes. Um, you know, I, I never want to make the same mistake twice. Uh, we make a mistake, we have a meeting, we've come up with a way to fix it, and we fix it and then move on, document it, s- send that document to everyone else. That way we have something, we know we have something to fall back on when situation arises again. Um, I I live by my calendar because if I don't have it in my calendar, I totally forget. And if I need to postpone it, I don't just let it pass. I actually move the item in the calendar. Um, I have a very strict morning routine, which starts usually the night before with a few things that I want to get done before uh, that I want to get done early in the morning before people and other people in the house wake up. 
around like five o'clock. And then um, I work out for an hour. And by 9.30, you know, I'm ready to start my day. And we have our first meeting, our first team meeting at 9.30 in the morning. And at like 9.45, whatever needs to happen for the day starts to happen. Yeah, absolutely. I love I love the idea of having a good morning routine. Mine, like, for whatever reason, like my, uh, my trigger is like getting my morning shower. If I don't get my morning shower in, my feels like my, my whole day doesn't go right. Um, but the, uh, um, the documentation, the system stuff is something that I've been spending a lot of time on in my business recently. And it's, it's just realizing that like, I, um, when, when you like, I started mapping out all of our processes that we had documented versus what we didn't have documented. And it became really clear to me. I was like, we don't have any good documented processes for like our lead generation or like our sales stuff or our HR. We have all of our documents on our, on our uh, service delivery, which is fine. Cause that's the one, that's how the money is made. Um, but it just dawned on me that I was like, if we got hit by a bus tomorrow, like the only thing that would survive is a service delivery. Cause that's the only part that's really well documented. And I was like, right. so it, was, it became really obvious. I was like, we need to get all this stuff documented in all these other places. So we have like, I don't know. It, feels like you have to have you have to have if you don't have it documented do you really have a business or do you just have really good habits <laughs> right no you're right yeah i watch out for buses yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> um so that's that's been a it's been a big focus of mine over the last couple of months is figuring out okay where are where are the places that we need to improve our documentation um because that's really the only way you can grow and scale right because mm -hmm. back to the thing we talked about earlier creating time and hiring people you can't do that if it's all if all the information is locked up in your head. Exactly. Or someone on your team's head. Right. <laughs> cool. Um, and just the other note on that, um, we're 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 on like episode two hundred and ten or something here for this show. Oh wow. And probably roughly 85-90% of people who come on and tell their story about entrepreneur mention their calendar as being one of their most important tools, which I find interesting. Um, is, is that, you know, I, I say regularly, like, you know, entrepreneurs live and die by their calendar. Um, and I believe that before I started this show, but after I have interviewed so many people, it's interesting how consistent that particular thing is, is that like entrepreneurs, we just can't live without our calendar. Um, and, and just and, curious, what are, like, do you see the same kind of thing? Yeah. And I, I always, and for me, I always set up, set reminders up for each event. You know, I have like a, 15 minutes, depending on what the event is, is do I set the a reminder up for the day before 15 minutes before, but uh, I don't just put it in the calendar. I set reminders up because sometimes I could be on a call that was unexpected. And so I, I have to set that reminder up and, you know, I try to limit my time on the phone if it's not necessary or if it's not a client because it's wasting my time uh, yeah. or taking me away from something else. I know. And one of the things I've started doing recently too, is started adding, instead of just having like, like predefined events with, with like clients or team members or whatever we're doing is also adding like tasks onto the calendar where mm -hmm. it's like, this is a thing that just, I need to do and booking a time with myself to do that task um, has been really helpful in making sure things get done. So instead of having like a task list, it's, right. it's like there are appointments I'm taking tasks and putting them onto my calendar as appointments. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, helps you get things done because you're like hey this is my hour that is dedicated to accomplishing this thing yeah and you know to accomplish my morning routine i don't book anything before 9 45 because from you know my first meeting is at 9 30 every day with my team and before that um working on my morning routine working out having my first meal whatever walking the dogs it's all part of the routine that gets the day going and nothing is booked uh um before, before that, that time. time yeah yeah absolutely you got to protect your time because that's the only thing you don't get back right 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 you can always you guys find new clients make more money hire more team members you cannot get your take can't get your time back exactly <laughs> And now, a quick word from our show's sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. 
I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. So I want to shift gears then and talk a little bit about your own personal heroes, right? Every hero has their mentor, just like, you know, Frodo had Gandalf or Luke had Obi-Wan or even Robert Kiyosaki had his uh, rich dad um, or Spider-Man. Spider-Man had his uncle Ben. Um, who were some of your heroes? Were they uh, real life mentors, peers who were a couple years ahead of you? Maybe, you know, authors or something like that, that you were speakers. And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in growing your couple of businesses? Yeah, great question. Um my first, uh, I, I've had several uh, mentor, business mentors. Um, the first one was in college. Uh, Chris, Chris Kelly was my college mentor who kind of like really brought me into the, the, the television department in, at Plattsburgh State where I went to college. So he was my first mentor and he stayed up till two, three in the morning with me sometimes teaching me everything I needed to know. So he was like my first mentor. Then my internship, um, uh, my, the person who I did my internship, who has become one of my closest friends, Paul Frederick is, was uh, a mentor. And then, um, Ted Flander, who's a camera person who, uh, kind of showed me the freelance ropes and then some other, you know, older camera operators within the NBC, NBC world, um, that kind of showed me the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and, it's just, it's people that helped you get good at what you're doing, right? And yeah, and I like take their, their brain. And help them. I picked their brain, asked a lot of questions, um, um, made mistakes in front of them, and they they kindly corrected me. Um, and then um, I also, uh, right before the pandemic, most recently hired a business coach who became a mentor, who kind of opened. Um, my field of view, I wasn't just a camera person. I was an entrepreneur who was a camera operator on the side. And my wife was the one that really helped me make that mindset change. She said, you know, you're really an entrepreneur. You have these, these two businesses, um, you know, maybe it's time to focus on that. And so it was like, yeah. and, I, and I would be lying if I didn't say that Jenny, my wife is not a mentor because she helped me make that mindset change. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned something that um, you mentioned that, you know, when you make a mistake as a camera operator, the other camera operators have helped you sort of like see those, which is it's like a perspective shift, right? As someone who's yeah. been there, done that, they can help you shift your perspective on on those things. Mm -hmm. Just out of curiosity, though, what is what does a mistake look like as a camera operator? And from from the perspective of like you guys are a product production house, right? You're helping someone produce their live event or something like that. How do you guys like what's a mistake look like from a from the camera operator standpoint and how do you guys sort of cover for that in the production good question so let's take the sports world for example um if i'm sitting in the tv truck watching all eight cameras uh part of the responsibility uh well 10 cameras however many cameras are in there part of the responsibility of the camera operator is to listen to what the announcers are saying in one ear, listen to the director in the other ear and decide what he or she is gonna shoot. Because ultimately we're telling a story, right? Uh, we're telling mm -hmm. the story of what's happening in the event. We're telling the story of what the announcers are talking about. So we wanna cover that with pictures. 
and you also have to know what the other camera people are, are shooting so you're not shooting the same thing and not all 10 cameras are shooting the same image so you have to one come prepared know who the players are what their numbers are and what the storylines are and you have to have an idea of what the announcers are going to talk about and be listening to what the announcers are talking about so to answer your question what does a mistake look like you may never see the mistake that the camera operators are making because it's covered, but we know who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So like you can see it on on like whoever's doing the uh, I don't know what you call it, but the one who's watching all the cameras is, is sort yeah, of making sure that's happening. So you're covering for that. So what like what is what does a mistake actually look like? Is it that they're they're filming the wrong thing or they're not paying attention to what's going on? Or is it, is it like camera exposure settings or like what kind of, what no, kind of things are like? It's not exposure settings because that's taken care of by somebody else. It's they're not shooting the right things. They're, they're not paying attention to what the announcers are saying. Their framing is not good. Uh, if it should be, you know, head, chest up, then they're and they're head to toe. It's not creating movement in the shot. It's not, it's just standing there flat, shooting something, not moving off to the side and creating depth of field. It, it's it, it it could be a number of different things. The viewer at home might never know, but the director and a lot of the TV crew would know. And that's what makes the difference between just an okay camera person and like a, a really standout camera person. Yeah. So do you guys, do you guys like, tr are you hiring for that talent or are you guys training that talent? Uh, both uh, HJZ productions. We, we, we hire for the talent, but then I also have a course, the broadcast sports course where we train new people that are coming that want to get into the business on how to get into the business and how to be successful in the business. How to be a how to be a standout camera operator and uh, and work as other positions in the business yeah absolutely that's really cool i didn't uh, didn't realize you guys do that as well um so i think that is that's a good place to sort of get to the uh, the end of our interview um but one of the uh one of the last things we always cover is your guiding principles right and so one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by uh code for instance batman never kills his enemies he only ever sends them to arkham asylum so as we wrap up here I'm going to talk about the top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life. Maybe something you wish you'd known when you first started out on your own hero's journey. Yeah, I trust my gut. If I don't know what to do, gun to my head, I go with my gut. What my inner gut is telling me is the right decision. I go with it because um, I feel like it's never steered me wrong. I don't uh, think long and hard. I, I, I almost know what the right decision is. Um, and family first. There's no event, no uh, nothing that's more important than being with my family. Yeah, absolutely. I like the idea of, of trusting your gut. I try to do the same thing. I'm not always great at it, but I do try that. And I know on the family first thing, I actually, a number of years ago, I was under the impression that your clients wouldn't respect you if you told them your family came first. But like, I have since discovered that that's really what everyone wants in their own lives is to put their family first. So when you, I start out client relationships, I always let them know. I'm like, just so you're aware, my client, my, my family will always come before you. Right. <laughs> um, and it's, it's never gotten me anything other than just like the utmost respect. People are like, yeah, I, I run my life the same way and I wouldn't expect anything less from the people I work with kind of thing. Um, and I remember being, being afraid of that when I was a younger entrepreneur, um, but really yeah, understanding, Hey, these are my priorities and this is how it's going to go. And you will always be a second-class citizen in my life. You will be yeah. after my family. <laughs> I, I, you know, in the, in my industry, in the sports world, most sports, especially football is on the weekends. So I've missed my fair share of family events, uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs, you name it, birthdays. But ultimately it comes down to being there when it really, really counts and being there for, you know, my, excuse me, my wife and kids when it really, really counts. And I don't want my kids to ever say, you know, daddy missed this or my wife to say mm -hmm. you missed that. Um, that's to me, that's the most important thing because you can have all the money and all the clients in the world, but if you don't have your family, you know, what good is it? It's no good at all. 
Well, that is a wrap on our interview, but I do finish every interview with a simple challenge. I call this the hero's challenge. And I do this to get access to stories that I might not otherwise find on my own because not everyone's out doing the podcast rounds like you and I might do. Um, so the question is simple. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a good entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story with us here on the Hero Show? First person that comes to mind for you. Yeah, my uh, business associate, Jamie, has a great story. Absolutely. Yeah. What did the, um, why do you think they should come share that story here? He, uh, he's got such an interesting business. His passion growing up was skiing. And, uh, you know, he lived in, you know, New Jersey, New York City most of his life. And it's hard to, you know, you don't own a, own a car in a lot of these places. And he started a tour business to take people from New York City to the ski mountains and has developed a, like a worldwide business uh, running these uh, winter tour tour events. Well, that's cool. I didn't even yeah, know that was a thing. That's me, I had no idea either. Yeah, that's cool. Well, we'll definitely uh, we'll reach out for it so we can get an introduction. Maybe he'll come on and say hi. Um, yeah. We always yeah. get cool stories out of that. Um, so thank you. And um, in comic books, there is always the crowd of people at the end who are cheering and clapping for the acts of heroism. So our analogous to that is where can people find you if they want to hire someone for their live events? Um, where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, Howie, we could really use your help. And yeah. second to that is who are the types of people that are the best to reach out and actually ask you to hire them? Yeah, you know, people that around. are ask them to ask you to hire. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, companies or small businesses, big or small, that are looking to do virtual or hybrid events that need help with the technical production, the writing, the run of show. We 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 handle from the beginning concept to the end of the show. Uh, we can handle anything. Uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn at Howard Zales, um, uh, VeridityEntertainment.com howiezales.com and we're also on instagram at howiezales awesome thank you very much for that we'll make sure we get the uh the information into the show notes at the bottom of this show and if you are i said i know a lot of our um a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs um and they run small businesses and i know that just just from for my audience if you run any sort of event the value for hiring someone like this is the uh is the the end the end product right if you can get those recordings those those recordings can be such huge things for either your content marketing or for um products that you can sell later having a, a well done recorded event is just such a huge benefit to to your business so um yeah and yeah. anyone listening to today's show if they call us saying that they heard, you know, me on the show, we offer a 10% discount on their first production. Uh, doesn't matter what style, hybrid, virtual, in-person. Awesome. And do you guys have, uh, do you guys have like a, an event size that's sort of like a floor or a ceiling for like what you guys do? No, we've streamed, we've had, you know, anywhere from no audience to streaming it globally to hundreds of people and streaming it globally. It all, every, everyone is different, but no. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on and sharing with, uh, your story with us today, Howie. I really um, appreciate it. Is there any uh, final words of wisdom you have for our audience before we hit this uh, stop record button? I had a blast. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for being here.